Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Jacob Sanderson, as always, here on a Thursday morning. Um, Jacob is he's feeling good he is in his apartment he did not get uh I was Jacob I was very ready for you to board the wrong flight back I mean I was ready for you to end up in Manitoba or or uh, I don't know Saskatchewan all these all these funny all these funny Canadian names I I mean nothing makes me happier well I'm from Manitoba so that would have been okay I would have just I would have just walked out over to the parents house and like hey uh I love you so much but I I flew home to see you unplanned so that would have worked uh Saskatchewan would have been in substantial issues um very you know you don't want to hang out with the, the rough riders but uh yeah if we made it all the way back to Vancouver the correct place slept in our own bed um no place planned anytime soon, so uh, I should be ready to go for regularly scheduled programming on this year podcast for the foreseeable future. Uh, week one, you know, obviously always a little bit of an up and down. Uh, I I did play Tutu Atwell in all of my high nice. stakes single entry stuff. You. That was good. I did also play Lamar Jackson in all of my single entry high stake stuff so that was bad uh, i think he got seven DraftKings points and not only not only the tilt of watching jk dobbins tear his achilles a yard and a half short of the end zone but then the tilt of justice hill coming in to get the touchdown instead of lamar getting the touchdown i mean it really was really was one of those pretty pretty brutal situations oh, so yeah. not a good gpp week in week one for me yeah, I didn't play that in DFS, but I know just speaking to like my entire seasonal portfolio, I was like, if I just draft all the Lamar Jackson and all the J.K. Dobbins, no matter what they do, every touchdown is beneficial for me. And naturally, that ended uh, about 40 minutes into the season. That was unfortunate. The Justice Hill touchdowns definitely were turning me into the Joker. I did fine. I, I only played one team lineup this week because it was Vegas and it was uh, insanity. I'll be back on my normal lineups this week. Um, I don't know. We started off the year with a nice, beautiful minimum cash. We had Calvin Ridley in the lineup. We had Tyree Kill in the lineup. Uh, we had Hayden Hurst in the lineup. We had um, we had Josh Palmer in the lineup. So <laughs> that that went that went for a nice one point four points on that uh, differentiation point. But um, uh, we'll, we'll we'll not be betting on his services again. Yeah, we definitely will not. All right, so week two, um, always one of the actually one of the more interesting weeks because you get to see how much people are going to react to what happened in week one. Honestly, I feel like we are fairly, uh, I feel like we're fairly unlucky that the Miami Dolphins are not on the main slate because I think we would have seen some historic single entry ownership for <laughs> Tua and Tyreek Hill, which I mean, honestly, I don't know who's to say I play it. wrong or right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Even, I don't even think it's that bad, 
Uh, there's only one game uh, with a total above 50. That is Kansas City and Jacksonville. Pretty tight pricing week, which is generally what happens in week two, where all of the $3,000 guys from week one get a huge boost in price. And there's not, obviously, you know, all the injuries that led to the $3,000 pricing. So let's begin with the Green Bay Packers at the Atlanta Falcons. I'm honestly interested in zero players from this game outside of Bijan Robinson. I do think that the Tyler Algier stuff is going to be an issue for Bijan for the entire season, but I also expect it to be something that is not static, but that is dynamic in the sense of maybe Algier gets 50% of the carries inside the 10. But I mean, I, I feel like the Algier analysis does skip over the fact that Bijan scored a green zone touchdown. Like it's not like Bijan Correct. had to do the ETN thing where he had to score from the 26. He, I think it was a nine yard touchdown and you know, Arthur Smith, sure, he's a dick, and he hates Drake London, and he hates Kyle Pitts. I don't think that extends to Bijan Robinson. I don't think we're going to be a situation where all year long we're going to be cursing about his lack of usage of Bijan. On the Packers' side, I, I mean, Musgrave seems fine for 3200 and in fact, I think that there's going to be some ownership pulled on Kincaid and Chig and Irv Smith Jr. and Dawson Knox and Jake Ferguson. So, like, I don't think we're going to see him be giga chalk or anything like that. The only thing yeah. that could make this game really interesting to me would be if Aaron Jones does not play. I'm I'm one of the few remaining A.J. Dillon truthers in the world. But this game is going to feature a lot of rushing attempts. I mean, we the Packers barely wanted to throw beating the shit out of the bears. You know, they, they wanted right. to run and Jordan love had 9.1 YPA and they still wanted to run. So this is a pretty boring game. Yeah, it's definitely a boring game. Uh, probably. I mean, we'll see, I guess it depends on who actually plays for the Packers. Cause like I see Musgrave and Reed popping ownership projections now, but that could easily change. Um, if once it's confirmed, if like Aaron Jones is for sure. in, if maybe Christian Watson even plays this week, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not probably playing a whole lot of this game. It would be Bijan, I guess, would be the main piece. Um, Dylan's definitely interesting. Farron Jones misses for sure, but I, I'm probably leaning that he plays just based on right now. I, I don't think that Algier's stuff is like coming that much out of Bijan as much as he's coming out of the rest of the offense. Like, I think they're, yeah, I think they're going to get Bijan's touches, and then like even even preseason, what I wrote about Algier was just. Like he's the player that is most dependent on Arthur Smith remaining a boomer. Like they're going to get Bijan his touches, and if they decide to be a more balanced offense, there's just not going to be room for Algier. But if they still continue to funnel touches to running backs, you can get Bijan twenty and Algier fifteen in the same game. Like they ran fifty-one plays and they had thirty-four combined carries and targets for running backs, which is an absolutely absurd rate. Um, they combined to run twenty-eight routes on twenty-two plays. So if you're doing the math at home, that means like on multiple occasions, uh, several occasions, they were running both of them in a route on the exact same passing play. So uh, I think that that makes Bijan like entirely viable. And I mean, a 5,500 Tyler Algier is like, you know, he's kind of viable in the same way like Kareem Hunt was semi-viable in the mid-5K range for a couple of years on Cleveland. I think I think that is, uh, I think that's a good point, actually, that, that the touches... Algier is not making Bijan's pie smaller. He's making Drake London and Kyle Pitts's pie smaller. That's that's actually the better point, and I have not heard anyone frame it that way. So I think that is a good, clear-headed analysis. I'm I'm honestly not even in 
to Jaden Reed or Romeo Dobbs if Watson doesn't play. I just think I think it's just too low volume of a game, game. basically. Yeah. Uh, all right. The next game, I actually think the line is bad and I think has the ability to be a really fun game, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to play against the Buffalo Bills. I think the Raiders, I mean, Jimmy G, say whatever you want. No one likes him. I don't like him either. Fully in command of that offense. He, you know, didn't force anything to Devontae Adams, which is maybe not great for my bags because I'm so loaded up on Devontae Adams, but I think is good for their offense all year. Um, Josh Jacobs looked Josh Jacobs E. They they didn't really have to rely on Hunter Renfro. Michael Mayer ran nine routes. Like it's gonna be a boring offense, but I think they're gonna be competent and more important for fantasy, super condensed. It's gonna be Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and Josh Jacobs, and no one else is going to be fantasy relevant in this game. We'll see if Myers plays or not. He's in the concussion protocol. Maybe you could throw a couple darts at Renfro, although he was playing behind DeAndre Carter and Christian Wilkerson, but that might be sort of your classic Renfro is the backup and actually has no, there's no point in playing Hunter Renfro if Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams are already on the field, I, I guess would sort of be the thought there. And then the bills just look like such shit. I don't think they're blowing the doors off the Raiders. Like, I don't think this is a 30 to 10 game. Yeah. I think Renfro is in line to run probably a ton of routes. If Jacoby misses, it's just like, you know, what, what exactly does Hunter Renfro do here if Jacoby Myers is already on the team? Like, you're, you're going to have Devontae Adams surrounded by two receivers who are short, intermediate, best out of the slot, and a couple of tight ends. Like, it just seems kind of silly. Um, but, yeah, 19 of 26 targets. So, 73% combined target share for Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams. That's absolutely outrageous. Uh, I hope that Jacoby winds up being okay. Um Adams also missed with a foot injury. That just seems fake. Like, I don't care about any old dude who misses a Wednesday practice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm playing, I'll play Devontae. I don't know if there's anyone else that I'm playing from the Raiders side. Um, I'll play I'll play everyone from the Bills side. I mean, Denver looked like they were marching at will on Vegas in the first half. <laughs> they wind up just really not having the guys in the second half. Greg Dulcich leaves with a hamstring injury. Marvin Mims leaves with a Sean Payton, didn't really want to play him uh, injury. And then uh, they don't have Judy. So this week, you know, I, I think if you get a healthy Bills team, I, I respect the Jets defense. I could see them running up and down the field without much of a problem. Um, I like, yeah, I mean, Cook had a really strong role. Um, I still have talent questions to him, but he had a strong role. Diggs obviously had an incredible role. And then, you know, I think, like, Gabe's always going to run a ton of routes. Dalton Kincaid ran a ton of routes. They actually did the 12 personnel thing that people were debating yeah. um, on, like, 75% of the plays. So, like, Liam's going to get there. Uh, and uh, Kincaid, I think, is totally in play at 3,300. Kincaid is probably the best cheap play of the week. And it is – this is a slate with such a lack of value that I think two tight end lineups are, like, pretty viable. Like, I think you can do Musgrave and Kincaid – together um like a lot of the best points per dollar plays are all at tight end you know uh we got laporta we have kincaid we got chig we got ferguson we have musgrave likely if andrews doesn't play uh even kate otten at 3100 kylan granson saw a bunch of targets like there are like all of the sub four thousand dollar value plays are just all at tight end 
And I mean, look, a guy, a guy won the million dollars on DraftKings last week with a snowflake in his lineup from Kenneth Walker. He got 10.1 from Kenneth Walker. Like it is, it is kind of one of those things where we love to talk about strategy and we love to talk about, oh, you know, over-owned, under-owned, the Sims, yada, yada. But like the point that the end of the day, like you got to get the Tyreek, you have to get the guy who breaks the scoring system. You have to get the Kendrick Bourne. And I, I mean, honestly, to me, Kincaid is like a, $4,700 player on DraftKings probably this week. And he's priced at 3,300. Like he ran all these routes. They didn't really ask him to block all that much. Like he is, he's just, Liam's going to get there, right? The one they, they started out the yeah. game. Deontay Hardy played like the first 10 snaps, got three targets. And I'm like counting my Sklanskis. I'm like, Oh, I nailed this Deontay <laughs> Hardy thing. And then Josh Allen threw a pick to him deep down the field and they put him on ice and they just started playing Kincaid so Kincaid is the gold star play from this game for sure I'm not that in to playing Josh Allen personally I I mean I think you could do Allen Diggs Adams Kincaid and that's fine but I prefer the next game which is the Baltimore Ravens traveling to play against the Cincinnati Bengals there's just some stink on the Bengals after how bad they were against the Browns honestly some stink on the Ravens too because the passing game you know say Flowers looked incredible but it wasn't the you know air raid bateman's getting there beckham's getting there andrews is getting there it wasn't you know 38 passing attempts lamar looking dialed in i think the whole thing will look better with andrews than with likely in there no no disrespect to isaiah likely but he is not mark andrews and i haven't really heard anyone make this point either but these guys they clearly do not like justice hill or gus edwards all that much i mean both of these guys have had like I mean, how many times have these guys had uh, an opportunity to be the lead back? I, I actually saw Chris Powers oh, from CBS tweet this. Justice Hill, we're entering into, I believe, year five, maybe year six of his NFL career, and he's never had a game with more than 10 carries. Never. Never. I mean, pretty, pretty damning stuff. And that could obviously tilt the Ravens to be a little bit more pass heavy. And then the the... The Bengals stuff is just so obvious. It's an obvious buy low spot on Chase, on T, on Boyd, on Herb. I mean, Boyd is is 3,800. That is as free as it gets. I don't even like Tyler Boyd, but if this game goes over, if this is 31-28, I mean, Boyd is, is a, he is a perfectly cromulent bring back to a Lamar Zay Flowers team. And Zay Flowers is obviously, I, I don't even really care. I don't even really care what Zay Flowers' projected ownership is. He he is he is a smash this week. Yeah, I mean the numbers that I'm seeing are not high enough yet. I think he'll come in. I think he's got to come in and threaten twenty probably. Um, it's it's fine. Um, I I mean I think people are making a little bit too big of a. I'm gonna do the Sam Sherman straw man thing here, but I'm like, why are people caring so much about his low A dot? Uh, personally, I think that it's good where when you get a rookie who comes in and they just have to force feed him the ball on every single play. Uh, I, I come away from that very, very sudden with Flowers. Uh, I'm hoping that at some point this season they start to tilt the Odell routes towards being Bateman routes, but I imagine we're probably a ways out from that. So I think it's pretty much Zay and Andrews are the only guys you can play. Baltimore, uh, um, of course, uh, as well as Lamar Jackson. And yeah, T. Higgins, fourth most air yards in the league this week, despite registering zero receptions for zero yards. So pretty nice bounce back opportunity spot for him. Uh, Ravens lost Marcus Williams this week. So that's a, that's a hit to their secondary as well. 
Um, yeah, I think probably Burrow, Burrow doubles with Zay or Lamar doubles or even Lamar singles with Pick a Bengal. Um, all that seems totally fine to me. It's, it's a good, good buy-in spot on these offenses. Yes. Um, I mean, do you, are you interested at all in Justice Hill at, at 4,900? No. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not really either. Okay. So then this next game is fascinating in the sense that I don't think projected ownership is right on Seattle at Detroit. I mean, this is, of course, the Bonanza game last year. Uh, you know, uh, everyone played TJ Hawkinson and it was, I believe it was the 14th highest scoring game in NFL history. The counterweight to that is that actually you could argue everyone in this game, even at their current projected ownership is actually projected too low because the Seattle Seahawks do not have their starting left or right tackle to the point that they just signed 41 year old Jason Peters. And he might even be expected to play this week for the Seattle Seahawks. They also disseminated their backfield in a three-way split the uh the nightmare scenario of dj dallas playing third downs was accurate in week one now maybe that was a reaction from pre carroll saying one charbonnet is not ready to do this and two gino is out there getting absolutely killed so we got to just have someone we trust back there blocking on long down and distances my gut reaction is that i don't care and that you know, if if I lose because Aiden Hutchinson is making Geno's life hell, then like whatever it is, what it is. But outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, I I don't think anyone in this game projects to be owned quite enough. Uh, and maybe maybe Laporta, but I'm I'm definitely gonna hop back on Jameer Gibbs at 6300. He looks really strong to me. Uh, Lockett looks pretty strong at 6100, and I I actually think JSN is playable as well. I think his routes will trend up, and the Jake Bobo, uh, Colby Parkinson, part of that offense will trend down. Yeah, I think that Dave Montgomery projects to be owned, um, but not by me. Uh, I will. I'm going to be riding with Jameer Gibbs on this one. Uh, they they have to play him. They're they won last week, but their offense frankly did not play well enough to win. They were gifted a defensive touchdown um, from Kadarius Tony. I, I think in this spot, like you look at what their receivers give them, right. They have Josh Reynolds made a couple plays. Marvin Jones is a total liability. Jameer Gibbs, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown, bless him, but he's he's an incredible slot wide receiver, but he's an intermediate option. Jameer Gibbs is the only speed explosive option in this backfield. You look at all the routes David Montgomery ran, but he was targeted zero times despite running near 70% of the routes. I think that's pretty telling in terms of how they view him. It's not like they were actually trying to scheme anything in the receiving game or golf was even looking his way. They, they were just out there, you know, letting him be reliable so that Jameer Gibbs didn't fuck up, basically. Um, you know, you get off that spotlight game. You have Gibbs is seen an NFL game now at this point. Dan Campbell even talked about We just wanted him to get a chance to see it. Um, yeah, I think Gibbs uh, projects as a really strong play who I don't think will be very owned at 6,300. He's definitely the kind of guy that I want to keep clicking each week at low ownership until we eventually see the pop game for him. Um and yeah, on the scale side, I, I won't lie, I'm a little sketched by what we saw out of him against the Rams. Like, um, I thought that Gino was going to be solid this year. The chance that he turned into a pumpkin is not something that I really played while drafting, but it definitely feels more possible now. Uh, I, I would probably 
play this most through Ken Walker because the three-way split to me doesn't even really affect him. Like, he probably wasn't playing those third downs regardless. So it just means that Charbonnet's role is being further diverted. Um, probably more inclined to play, like, Walker, Goff, Gibbs, St. Brown or something. But uh, I'll, I'll experiment with Geno Stacks. If they're going to truly be as not owned as they look right now, I, I will have to have no choice but to play some Lockett and DK Metcalf at sub five. Yeah, that is the that the lean. My my initial lean was that this is the game that I would look to stack in, you know, the fifty dollar hundred dollar single entry. And I was yeah. thinking the right way to do it is probably Gino, St. Brown, Laporta, with Lockett and Metcalf, or Lockett and JSN, or Metcalf and JSN. Nice. I, I don't know. I don't know the right. I, I I'm still working on the right way to get there, but my my lean is that this game will be a little bit less owned than Jacksonville, Kansas City. Maybe that'll be wrong. Maybe the high price on Mahomes and the total lack of clarity on Kansas City wide receivers, coupled with the return of Travis Kelsey, will actually make that not true. And it, I, I mean, Christian Kirk will also probably be completely unowned after the stinker that he put up last week. So that that's what I am debating right now. Um, I would say my my favorite one-off if you're really going in this direction is probably Jameer Gibbs because pricing is just kind of tight this yeah, week and I think 6,300 Campbell said he's going to give him more touches he actually had more high value touches than Montgomery did more more um more targets plus red zone touches and he could have scored also I mean if he scores on that play where he slips yeah. down like none of this is even a discussion no one who drafts him feels bad like it's it's completely fine um, but figuring this game out and taking a stance on it one way or the other, saying the offensive tackle stuff really matters for Seattle, and until they get that figured out, d- none of this matters. Or saying it was a one-week weird thing, like whatever, they'll they'll also get it figured out. Is like that's probably the most important stance to take. Uh, next up, I've seen a little bit of chatter about Indianapolis at Houston being the vomit bowl game, you know, everyone's cheap. Richardson's not even really that expensive. Stroud is free. Texans wide receivers are free. Uh, All the Colts players, every Colt player is free. I mean, you could tell me that Anthony Richardson, Michael Pittman and Tank Dell end up in the optimal because you got to play, you know, you got to play uh, St. Brown and McCaffrey with them or whatever. I I see that. Um, Again, not quite sure how I want to play it. I, I also would maybe take a stab on, Zach Moss if he's active because Deion Jackson was so bad that it was oh my god it was so bad I couldn't even believe it I mean (laughs) very rarely do running backs go from getting 80 percent of the snaps to zero but Deion Jackson was so bad that I could actually see it he he must have been getting paid under the table from Jonathan Taylor like that's the only he was absolutely horrendous like he had 13 carries for 14 yards and two fumbles that's that's an accomplishment. Yeah. So yeah, Zach Moss, Zach Moss is going to get all he can handle. I mean, I think they would have turned to Evan Hall, except Evan Hall got hurt himself. And then on the comeback drive, they're playing uh, Jake Funk. It's it's I I mean Jake Funk getting in is a sign that your running game is not where uh, is not where you want it to be. And I mean Houston, their wide receiver group should be narrowed out this week because Mechie was a healthy scratch, and then was Noah he? Oh, Brown. He's healthy? Well, like a I, hamstring I, thing. I guess, you know, uh, he had a hamstring injury. Unclear, okay. unclear if he was, you know. Like, he was in the Devin A. Chain category of, of yes. healthy now, but previously unhealthy scratches. 
Correct. Yeah. I mean, like he okay. has had this hamstring injury all off season. So it's like unclear what is exactly going on there. I don't think he would go from not playing last week to right. tank Dell's, you know, 50% of routes with Noah Brown going, staying at 50. Like I, I would think that th- the 11 personnel will be Schultz woods tank and uh, Robert Woods. Who Collins. Yeah. Collins Collins. Yeah. Who, who, by the way, 14 points last week, a bunch of targets, good air yard profile. Yeah. I, I know that has to make you happy. Oh, it was lovely to see. Uh, I suspect that Nico Collins is the week's most likely candidate to be a really sneaky play until you find out that he's 23% owned in your high stakes tournament on Sunday when you flip over the cards. Like, I just, with just a whole week, like, just knowing how DFS content, content works. We're inbound for a couple straight days of, did you see Nico Collins' air yards? Did you see Nico Collins' targets for route run? What if he even runs more routes because Noah Brown was staying on the field for some 11 personnel snaps? And then you all of a sudden get the, wait, did you see who the Colts had in their secondary and how Calvin Ridley completely eviscerated them? Man, that's Nico Collins' role now. And then all of a sudden he's going to be like 22% out. So um, I, uh, I, I love Nico Collins. I hope that he has... 25 points for my best ball bags. If the ownership scheme gets to where I think it might, he, he might become somewhat unplayable. And then I would probably go to the tank Dell route, but I would do it stacked. Like I'm, I will a hundred percent play a CJ Stroud double stack this week. They were, they were passing the ball. Like they were up and plus pass right over expectation. Not even just in terms of that. They were down and kept passing. They were legitimately aggressive. That's going to be the way to beat the Colts anyways this year. It's going to be a continual pass funnel defense. So I think you can play Stroud with, Collins for sure, because I think that's your upside play, but either Dell or you can do Dell and Schultz. He ran uh, 49 to 54 routes. He did turn it into four yards, but hopefully this week get a little bit better from him. The use of stuff in the preseason with him did not at all carry over. So I think he's um, viable in stacks. And ideally, you're probably running it back with, with Michael Pittman, whose role was phenomenal this week. Um, you're getting helped out by the fact that Anthony Richardson threw, I think, all but three passes to the right side of the field. So just any Colt who frequently lines up on the right side of the field is being systemically benefited by Anthony Richardson, while Alec Pierce is unfortunately never going to see a target again. Uh, and yeah, Pittman came in absolutely uh, 11 targets, I believe all 11 in the second half as well. So uh, guy that they really got the ball to uh, late. Um, you mentioned Granson, and yeah, I'll definitely play Richardson too in the stacks. I'm not playing Stroud. Yeah. Um, I also just like a, a true gutter pick. Um, I don't hate Josh Downs either because he played more slot snaps than I thought I would. I thought he would be situational nine route only, you know, but they, they just immediately, I mean, they only had four wide receivers on their initial 53. Yeah. So I guess they, I guess they just kind of, thought he was good i mean i like oh, earlier they only earlier had three receivers on their initial 53 they had to sign back isaiah mckenzie yeah i mean that's that's pretty wild for a third round rookie to basically be a locked in every down starter which he yeah. was so i'm i'm unclear if i'm gonna use this as a as a vomit stack but it is it to me this is it's also like these are two teams with rookie quarterbacks where they're figuring it out playing in a dome like i've seen crazier things and i i also thought just like a football guy note neither of them looked like overwhelmed or lost or like i was scared for their lives you know the way like you watch 
you watch a really bad quarterback. Like you watch Zach Wilson, you watch Nathan Peterman, you watch, you know, honestly to me, even Sam Howell, like Howell is bad. Uh, and you watch them and you're like, these guys have no hope of ever figuring it out. They'll never just get to that spot to where they're just confident in what they're doing. And I thought both, and actually I thought that about Bryce young too. I thought all of them were just like, yeah, yeah, they're not good right now. Like they're going to like the pick that Richardson threw to basically ice the game for the Jaguars <laughs> was like awful. It was a, but, but that's not even a pick that like Zach Wilson would make because he wouldn't even see that throw. He wouldn't even see that that right. was something that like could have worked out. So Feeling kind of bullish about both of them. All right, the big. I agree. As as like putting on the Colts fan hat, I I my takeaway was Anthony Richardson is is the future and the truth, and I was I was very excited. Like he just looked he looked relaxed all game. He looked confident. He was interacting with the crowd. Every time he made a mistake, he was like taking it in stride. He smiled. I think for like three and a half consecutive hours. It was just like he was a vibe. I um, it's it's total vibe based analysis. But like what you don't want to see the rookie quarterbacks, rookie quarterback is like getting really tense, who's getting yes. really upset when things are going wrong, who's like scrambling around. He looks like he's totally untethered. That was not Richardson. He looked like very calm and collected throughout the game. So I, I have a lot of confidence in him. And I thought, you know, he made a bunch of mistakes, but he also made some really impressive plays. Like, did you see that fourth down play when he was scrambling to his right? He threw like all the way back across his body over the middle of the field and just like nail one to Pittman. Uh, that was like that was one of the most impressive plays of the weekend. It was probably not, it's probably ill-advised, but I was impressed. I mean, vibes-based analysis, I think can actually serve you well with, I mean, vibes-based analysis is going to help you early on in the season where the data is very noisy and where we're making a lot of guesses. Cause if your vibe is correct and like, if you're directionally accurate, I think that will be useful. All right. Next game, Kansas city chiefs traveling to play against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sounds like Kelsey is going to be back and playing in this game. Um, I, I believe he was able to get in a practice on Wednesday. Yeah, he was a limited yeah, participant. Now, will he be, will he run 80% of the routes? Like if they're up 10 points, is Noah Gray going to play a little bit more? Absolutely. Jaguars seem like we already know exactly what they are going to be. ETN is going to run a bunch of routes. Probably not going to earn a ton of targets, probably four to five targets per game. He's probably not going to get very many opportunities at the goal line, though. If Tank's big, I mean, Tank Bigsby, that game that he just had, I mean, that was the Isaiah McKenzie against the Chiefs from last season game. Isaiah McKenzie fumbled twice against the Chiefs last year yeah. and dropped a, a first down that would have converted for them in the red zone. I mean, Tank did everything wrong you can do as a rookie running back still got rewarded with the touchdown. And I think you mentioned this in the, uh, in, in your sub stack this week, but it, it almost seemed like maybe a vote of confidence just to keep him from yeah. going to zero, just to just be like, okay, you fucked up. We'll put you back in the game and we'll give you an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, he looked like he was a member of the 1919 Chicago White Sox. Like I felt he was actively throwing the game. Like at one point he picked up a live ball and then put it down. <laughs> and then like the Colts were able to just get it. It was crazy. Uh, and yeah, the fact that then after all that, they were like, no tank, like we're still, we're still tapping you on the helmet go in there and convert this touchdown. Pretty bullish signal for him long-term. Um, I'm not super sure that it's like ETN will never get a green zone touch. Like, uh, and I went through all these in the sub stack, but I like literally like took a note every single short yardage carry throughout the game. 
And for the most part, when they went to their jumbo package, they were generally putting in big fee of ETN short yard snaps. Um, all but one of them were out of like shotgun formation, 11 personnel. Only one of them, he stayed on the field for a jumbo set. There was even one where he like walked back to the huddle on a third and one. And then he like must've gotten the call in, ran off the field. Bigsby comes in, converts it. Bigsby goes back to the bench. ETN comes in the very next play. That was the most like explicit. We're subbing in Bigsby for this play. The touchdown series was a little bit different. ETN had played eight consecutive plays, had gone three, four touches. He just run this big motion play out towards the sideline. That just kind of seemed like the type of play that you sub out after regardless. So to me, it's more they're going to use a high proportion of Bigsby snaps in these situations, but ETN will probably still get some looks. And as we saw last week, he's also very able to score from anywhere on the football field because he's very good. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about playing ETN this week. I'm excited about playing uh, Ridley, of course, despite the ownership. And if I was to give you the odds of minus 1,200, Michael Leone plays Christian Kirk in the Thunderdome this week, where are you taking that bet? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, that, that feels bet that feels bettable up to minus two thousand. I mean, I'll probably play Christian Kirk this week because I I, I also will play Christian Kirk this week. It's very it's you know it is we are at such a a weird point in DFS in general where like you know half the people are brain players and twenty percent of the people are Sims players and then thirty percent of the people are just like feeling it out and and trying to have a good time. And I, I mean, I don't really know most weeks what is like actually optimal. My gut feel is that in a spot where the Jaguars are probably going to have to try and keep up with the Chiefs offense, that it makes sense to play less heavy personnel, almost no two running back stuff, like 11 personnel just more often, which Kirk would be mm-hmm. the biggest beneficiary of. I also just can't shake the first five years of Zay Jones's career out of my brain where he was like a nothing, where he was actually a zero and no one cared about him. I And he, look, he has been awesome as a Jaguar. That touchdown uh, last week was nasty. I mean, that was, an, it was, it was yeah. a very high level skill play. Ridley is going to earn, I mean, Ridley is going to get Devonte Adams level targets. I, I think mm-hmm. probably uh, if you told me that Ridley's efficient ownership in like the Sim bros were like his efficient ownership is 35%. I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. That makes sense to me. Uh, Cause the chief's defense is not very good. And they just got, they actually just got waxed by a player who's like Calvin Ridley, but not as good in a Monterey St. Brown. Like Calvin Ridley, I think is, is clearly a better football player than he is. And the chiefs couldn't do anything uh, to stop a Monterey St. Brown. So totally makes sense on the Chiefs side. I mean, I, I just, I must just hate myself because sky more $4,100, all the routes. You have to stack with Kirk. You have to do the all whispered, uh swat tie stack with sky more and Christian Kirk. The uh the way that this goes bad is that Rashi Rice just gets all this like he, R- Rashi Rice goes from what he run like fourteen routes last week or something like that maybe eleven, 11. routes yeah so then he goes so Sky goes now he from twenty two yep there you go and and because Rice looked good I mean he he looked like okay I don't exactly know where I'm at on this play I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do but my job is to get open so I'm gonna go get open and that's what he did. I also wonder if Ross plays more this week that like last week was like Ross hasn't played an organized football game in like four years. So let's just even see if he can do it. He went out, he got a catch on his only target. 
Like the, the, there's so much in flux. Like Watson snaps could go up. Watson snaps could go to zero. Kadarius Tony could be a healthy scratch. Kadarius Tony snaps could go up. I mean, because Tony is the only one that can actually like get open at will, you know, yeah. like Tony's actually the only one that can get open and the chiefs can't be dicking around. I mean, the chiefs cannot start Owen two. you know, like no Owen two start is so bad. If you are a team that wants to win a super bowl. So like, you could tell me that goes any way you could tell me that goes from Tony literally doesn't play because he can't be trusted to, like MVS can't get open anymore. Watson is like, like, you know, like I just, I mean, we don't know. We, we just don't know. We, we just don't know. Um, this is one where like, if I was still spending a lot of my life doing like 20 maxes, it would be way more fun to just like spin the randomizer wheel and just, you know, pick two chiefs in every lineup and see what happens. I'll probably be playing like five lineups. So it's going to be much more challenging. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'll probably play Rice in at least one, just on the off chance that they play him more. Like he seems like the most obvious candidate to play more snaps since he was good and he um, didn't sell the whole game. I think Tony, yeah, I mean Tony could go totally either way, like you mentioned for all the reasons you mentioned. It could go completely either way. He could be a total smash. He could literally not play. This guy is the top one because, like, at least with Tony. If Tony gets 25 routes, he's getting eight targets. So, like, if you yeah. get the bet right on the routes, you're getting the bet right on the targets. Guy had the routes, but he might lose the routes. And if he does get the routes, he still might not get the targets. So that's probably a little tougher one for me where you're, like, you're hoping that they don't punish him. And then you're also hoping that he's, like, part of the game plan, which he just wasn't. I mean, he runs – felt like half the routes he ran last week were like horizontal clear routes where he's like running across the line of scrimmage and he's like wheeling up the sideline and never being even looked at. So tough for me. If Kelsey plays, I'm, I'm playing him for sure. If there's any concern about the injury and I get a chance to play under-owned Kelsey in a really high over-under spot, I'm definitely doing that. Um, yeah, it, it'll, it'll be hard to pick exactly who to play with him. And maybe, maybe December comes early for Derek and Cannon at 0-1. Mm, no no i i actually think <laughs> i actually think they're gonna play ch a lot i think it's just the three-man stuff like i like it's it's three-man stuff until it becomes untenable and it almost i mean it really should have been untenable in week one although that game was very winnable by the kansas city chiefs they just they made they made some tactical errors uh and and they also had a pick six that was there's i think um robert may's screenshotted it maybe it was danny kelly where the screen grab shows the ball in Kadarius Tony's hands. He's across the first down line. It's got it in his yeah. hands. And that turned into a pick six for the Lions. So like, there's a lot of noise in one game. The chiefs are probably not freaking out internally. They definitely will be freaking out internally if they lose this game. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I I'm going to, I'm going to say sky Moore is, is the guy that loses me the money this week. That's probably what I will do. It's, it's, it's actually, between Sky Rice and Tony, I feel pretty good that one of those guys is probably the guy you should be playing. I just and and I'm I'm leaning with Agreed. Sky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I... Go ahead. No, I'm good. All right, next game: the Chicago Bears against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I mean, Fields. <laughs> and in the next game. Yeah, I. You can play Fields. You can play Fields naked. I mean, Fields was god awful. 
last week. From a fantasy perspective, the thing you could say that helped him out was that they just kept him in in garbage time. They were just like, whatever, like we gotta, we gotta do something. Like we can't, uh, what I think they had seven points going into the fourth quarter, if memory serves me correctly. Like, so they're like, we, we can't, we can't have that. Uh, but that's it. I mean, all the rest of them are unplayable. You cannot play any bears. White. You could play Komet. You could play Komet. Komet, depending on which expected points profile. 4,400 is a tough scene, but. He had, he had, depending on which expected points yeah. model you look at, he had like 18 and a half expected points last week. Leone's model really discounted him, which I think is probably smart uh, because he's Cole Komet and it's the Bears. And yeah, I mean, Godwin, Palmer, Otten, Evans, like, you know, the, the Buccaneers played really fast and they, I think they were second in pass rate over expected last week as well. But I just am not that into playing Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, you could do – that's the thing. Like, in theory, you could double stack the box because the Bears' defense is really terrible and they have some nice signals, but then you have to play Baker and do you want to play Baker? Um, I'd probably rather just play, like, a Bach, like, than, than do that. Like, I think you could totally play, like, standalone throwaway Mike Evans or standalone throwaway Chris Godwin, and that's totally fine. Um I'm writing my part two of the Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, last night I started. I'll have that up. Um, I'll finish that tonight, put it out. I had the displeasure of watching Rashad White play football for 19 touches. He looked atrocious in this game. The rush yards over expected came in at minus 2.4 per attempt. I thought that that was earned. Um, we'll see what happens in this backfield. Like he, If he has the same role that he had last week, he projects incredibly well at 5,500. But he's the sky more of running backs for me where, like, that could go at any moment in time where they just say, like, we're, we're done with this. Sean Tucker, let's see if you can do a little bit better. So um, probably not going to be going into his range. But, I mean, totally, if he gets the same role, falls in the end zone twice, um, you feel like an idiot for, for fading that. Yeah. I, I mean, in terms of vomit running backs, I would probably prefer Damian Pierce. I would probably prefer Samaj Pirine. You could even talk me into Tyron. I probably couldn't do Brian Robinson. Actually, Brian Robinson is the, and he, I mean, he might end up being a little bit too owned, but that would be, I, I just, Rashad White is like the, it's like a style of bet I just hate to make, which is like, I don't really believe in the player. Um, he looked awful. It's more likely to me that he gets supplanted in game than it is that he really eats that role like I think Sean Tucker getting 11 carries would be less surprising than Rashad White running for 103 yards efficiently this week against like a really bad defense so that's where I'm at there I I just not that really good of a game the Chargers Titans game is interesting because the Titans run defense pretty good Titans pass defense seems like it's the Titans pass defense of always also the Chargers offensive line looks really good which we have not really ever been able yeah. to say about the Chargers offensive line and the stat like so let's say you did Herbert and Keenan or or Herbert and Mike Williams or Herbert and Josh Palmer who did run a ton of routes but just are no targets like story of Josh Palmer's life the bring back <laughs> I mean Hopkins I actually think is underpriced for his role and Burks, I think Burks at Chig actually projects like, like super chalky. Uh, I mean, he should have had a 50-yard touchdown last week. Tannehill 
just missed him like absolutely it's so open. 2023 dfs to say that a, that a tight end who had zero receptions last week is now all of a sudden the chalk like if we were doing this five weeks ago i'd be like i don't want i don't want to play that guy and you'd be able to get him at like two percent ownership on the buy low model it is it is so funny um i burks burks looks like a guy i'm gonna play a lot this week i i yeah. to have a 95 percent route share coming off of the injury that he had i was i was that was one of the usage things that was really shocking to me. Um, also, Herbert's average depth of target. I mean, our our projection was that Herbert's average depth of target would trend up with Kellen Moore. That was accurate. He took more shots downfield. Uh, I am not a Mike Williams guy in any way, shape, or form, so he will not be a part of the, the plays that I click this week. So it'll probably be like if I were to do this game, it would be like Herbert, Keenan, and Burks feels like a good core, like a nice way to start building a team. Well, the probably the biggest discussion point winds up being if Austin Eckler misses this game, Josh Kelly is probably the most owned running back on the slate at 5,000. Um, and I admit, I have to apologize a little bit to Josh Kelly because I've slandered him repeatedly throughout my time. He was good. Running well fantasy football. Um, he's often been, I thought, like one of the worst running backs in the NFL. And I thought he, he was totally fine in this game. I, I mean, I would credit the offensive line more than I would credit the individual running backs. I thought he had a lot of wide open lanes. But that's never but like, been seen... the case with the Chargers, right? Right. That's never been the case with the Chargers. So that's a big improvement. And also, like, I've seen Josh Kelly, like, actively fuck up otherwise well-blocked plays several times in my life. And he did not do that in this game. Like, he was as you would say, perfectly cromulent. So I would say I'm not quite as thrilled about the prospect of fading a heavily owned Josh Kelly against the Titans run defense as I would have been in past years, but I'm still probably going to do it if he comes in at like 25 plus percent owned, which if Eklund misses, I, I don't see any way that he's not. Yeah. Uh, so we are doing this Thursday morning, so we don't actually know how likely that is. I mean, Eckler... Eckler might have gotten to the point in his career where he just gets the um the 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 rest day on Wednesday, you know, like like Deion, like I think you tweeted this yesterday, like DeAndre Hopkins is not practicing on a Wednesday all year, so like don't don't sweat yeah. it. Uh, I think Adams same way, Devonta Adams not practicing on Wednesday, so just don't just don't expect it. Uh, and then Tuttle's uh on, on the Swolecast, Tuttle was on Derrick Henry, which I think makes sense. One, people are going to be worried about the snap share stuff, which I think will continue all year, but this will be, um, there, there's been a million backfields like this. I can't come up with an example where there's one guy who gets the ball every time he comes in. And then one guy mm -hmm. who's just in there to run routes and a block that's Tajay Spears. Uh, I like Tajay Spears. I think he's good. I think he looked good on the touches he got. I think if you're playing seasonal fantasy football, he's a great ad or a great hold, like clearly a great contingent value guy. He might have a smidge of standalone value given how many snaps he played, but Henry is getting 20 touches. He might just do it on 36 snaps. Yeah, totally agree. All right, what do we got next? Um, we have the Giants and the Cardinals. Um, I don't know. Play Zach Ertz if you want. Play Saquon Barkley no. if you want. Zach Ertz, I, I cannot believe that in 2023, we had to watch Zach Ertz and Logan Thomas play on the same field and receive 18 targets. It was demoralizing. Um, 10, 6, 21, incredible Zach Ertz line, not playing him, not playing any Cardinal really. Uh, I'll, I'll play, I'll, I'll play the Giants. Like I don't mind buying back into the Giants, but 
I mean, they were pretty run happy to start this game against Dallas. Uh, granted, there was weather concerns, and they'll probably be allowed to be as run heavy as they want to be. Uh, I'll definitely play Waller. Like, I don't see a lot of ownership on him right now. Maybe that changes. Um, he's been dealing with the hamstring stuff, but by all accounts, he's going to play. And he was, like, first read every single time they dropped back to pass in the first half, and then they pulled him in the second half when it was out of play, and he is dealing with the hamstring. But if this game is, for as long as it's competitive, and until Waller is actively not playing in the games, I'm probably uh, loading him up for as long as we have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I, I have no I have no issue with that. I mean, my eventual hope is that the 11 personnel for the New York Giants is um, Wandale, Slayton, Waller, and who am I forgetting? Hyatt, Hyatt. I, I don't know how long it's going to mm-hmm. take them to get there. Might take might take them to have a two and five start for them to get there, you know. But I I do think that yeah. is the, you know, it, the the Hodgin stuff, the Sterling Shepard, the you know, it's just like what what's the point? What are we what are we doing with Paris Campbell out here? Like <laughs> you know, it's just Wandale is better at every facet of football than Paris Campbell. No disrespect. I know there are Paris Campbell truthers left out there. Honestly, if no, Wandale you should just, disrespect them. If Wandale is active this week, I actually might. I could. He'll probably play like nine snaps, and it'll be. It'll <laughs> yeah, he's gonna run eight routes. But I might. I might do it. I mean, there's no viable <laughs> three thousand. There's no three thousand dollar guys this week the way there were last week. Uh, all right. Actually, we we are getting to the tail end here, but we haven't talked about the most interesting stuff to deal with this week, which is what do you do with the Rams guys who went nuts last week, but against the 49ers? Kyron Williams. 5,000, Nakua, 4,900, Atwell, 4,700. My lean is that the 49ers defense is actually that good, and it was kind of fluky week one, and I'm not really that interested in them. But dumber, dumber shit has happened in, in the National Football League. Yeah, if I'm playing any of them, it's probably your boy Tutu Atwell this week just because Puka is going to have prohibitive ownership issues in a really bad matchup. Uh, I don't think you can play a running back against the San Francisco 49ers unless that running back is like an Austin Eckler where, you know, all their, all their value is coming from the receiving game. Um, so it's probably Tutu is the only one that I could see a path for him getting there and he won't be egregiously overowned. So that's probably the only guy I would play, but I might not even play him. Um, probably only playing him like as a bring back if I'm doing – San Francisco stuff. Um, and, I mean, I'm pretty open to that. What, what's your take? Like, you might have seen a little bit more of this game than than I did. Like, what is your take on this Rams defense? Because going into the season, we thought it might be the worst in the NFL. And yet, the Seahawks could not accomplish anything offensively. Is that just, like, a weird game? Is it just that they know the Seahawks? Or, like, are, are the 49ers going to steamroll them? Like, what, what should we expect in this one? Well, Rams-Seahawks games are always weird. I, I don't recall those two teams ever playing a normal game in the history of these franchises. Like, even when the, the Rams were terrible and the Seahawks were awesome with Russell Wilson and he was cooking, they play weird games. And so, like, one, yeah. a little bit of weirdness. Two, the I don't know. Like, there's, like, this uncalculable uh, emotional element to football where, like, the defense comes out there and they're like, oh, my God, we are just getting our asses handed to us. Geno can't do anything. Like, that plays into it. My guess is that the Rams defense is probably pretty bad. 
and that the 49ers like Debo and Ayuk are are totally premium plays. You want to talk about 2023 DFS? I actually think Debo might end up getting more yeah. than Ayuk, which is it's just wild. I was just going to say, I'm staring at an ownership projection right now with Debo at 23 and Ayuk at 10. And I'm like, did people watch last week? And, and the question is no. They didn't because the people aren't making those projections. The computers are. The computers did not watch the game. Uh, and it's fine. I mean, it's it's easily Debo could be the better player this week. But, yeah, I think if, you, if you're getting a chance to, like, bet on the Ayuk Ascension being real and you get to do it at no ownership cost to you and no dollar cost to you because they're effectively the same price, um, I'll do that for, for sure. So, I'll probably play uh, Ayuk this week and keep riding that wave. And, um, I mean, anytime you can get a low-owned George Kill, it's worth a roll. So I'll give it a shot. Yeah, that's actually that is actually that is actually a good point. One one point on the Rams is that you might be tempted to do a little bit of leverage Tyler Higby. Like if Nakua is gonna be 19% and Atwell is gonna be 8% and Kyron's gonna be 8%-ish, you know, right around those ranges, you might be tempted, like, oh, let mm-hmm. me let me click a little. 1.8% on Tyler Higby. No, his role is zero. Tyler Higby, Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua have sent Tyler Higby to a shallow fantasy grave. Like the whole Higby thesis was, well, Cooper Cup's out. Like they got to throw the ball to someone and they like clearly have two guys to throw the ball to who are actually like good football players. Um, So yeah. so the Higby stuff is done. And then, I mean, we should just mention Christian McCaffrey is like the greatest running back in football. And I think honestly... <laughs> Every, the way DraftKings pricing works now, where you want to get Jefferson, Tyreek, uh, Adam, like the high price wide receivers are always more attractive. I think we're going to go through 18 weeks of the season and Christian McCaffrey's like never going to be more owned than 11% in any given slate. Mm-hmm. And he'll probably, and he'll break three of the slates, you know, like yeah. the, the, the rest stuff, the, oh, we're going to rest him a little bit more. We're going to ease him in. I mean, they were kicking the shit out of the Steelers and Eli Mitchell <laughs> played care. 10 snaps, 10 snaps, like, the, the McCaffrey thing is full steam ahead. All right. The New York football jets against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, uh, you know, I, I, there's nothing really interesting to say about this game. I don't think any cowboy is, is playable really other than um, Ferguson is like fine and Pollard. I'm pretty into it. 7,500. I don't really care about scoreline effects. His role, his role is actually better than I could have even imagined. Oh, uh. Yeah, I mean, we were tweeting. We were tweeting about it that like the the sick feeling when he got tackled inside the five. It was like the only every time I've seen that in my life. I'm like Pavlov's Tony Pollard owner. Like as soon as I see him go down inside the five, I'm just like seeing in my mind's eye Ezekiel Elliott like trundling onto the field to go take his two yard touchdown. And instead, Pollard stays on the field and he gets the touchdown. And there's joy in the universe. And there's song in the meadow. It was incredible. Uh, it was, it's, a, it's a great time to be alive as a Tony Pollard fan. And, you know, if I can't play him at 20% owned at 7,500 in a game where he might rest the entire third and fourth quarters, then, like, you know, what is America? Correct. So there, the actually interesting thing here is, one, can you sell yourself on playing Brees and just saying he scores an 80-yard touchdown? I guess. I, yes. I, I think I can. I mean, he is going to be utterly unowned, like at like absolutely unowned. Like we're talking like sub 5%. And the other thing is that the two highest projected ownership spots in this game are the defenses, the Jets defense that looks so good against the Bills mm-hmm. and the Cowboys defense at even at 4,000 against the, uh, against 
the the Jets. So right now they're projected for. I I'm just looking at the base uh uh blitz projections that Cardi has up, but they're they're projected for a point more than every other defense. And an interesting thing that I have noticed is that from the sim players, from from um you know the the Chipotle brothers, from Brian Hooper, from Petty Theft, from these guys, they actually will play the highest owned defense. Like uh, there was a great thread going around about how owned the commanders were in high stakes stuff. And it was all the SIM players who were playing the commander's defense. And it was all the, you know, the, the brain players who were playing other defenses. Mm. And, you know, there's an argument one way or the other. I actually, if the Cowboys defense is something like 10 to 14% owned versus 20 to 25, I actually think, they could outscore every other defense by enough to make that worth it. I think that the Cowboys defense is a very different situation than, the, than like the usual high owned defenses, which like usually the really high owned defenses is like the entirely league average defense playing against a really bad team who is cheap. Whereas the Cowboys is like possibly the league's best defense playing against a really bad team who's expensive. So like, I think that the price winds up being a little bit more prohibitive. You're, you're never going to get, I don't, well, maybe you will, but I, I would be really shocked if you get like the 25, 30, 35% on defense when they're 4K. But I also think like the path to failure is way narrower when we're talking about a defense that is actually legitimately good versus when we're playing like the commanders where it's like, we're just betting on Josh Rob being bad. Like, and, and the Cowboys are good in a way that, scores fantasy points it's not like that they just like will prevent yards of touchdowns like they're going to sack sack wilson like infinite times like it's, it's like it's going to happen like micah parsons is going to eat zach wilson on sunday and leave him without a soul so i i will play the dallas defense like a total square and that's that's fine um Brees, my take is just I, I can easily see how in the summer they looked at it and they were like look we have one of the best five defenses in the league. We have Aaron Rodgers. We have Garrett Wilson. Dalvin Cook is okay enough. We're going to ease our way into the season because we're 100% making the playoffs and we'll have Brees Hall in the second half and he'll be the guy in the playoffs and we're trying to preserve him. Their room, their fuck around and find out scale got entirely changed when Aaron Rodgers um, lost his Achilles. So I don't think that this team... Like now, this team has to depend on their run game way more than they than they previously had to. And if you're looking at their running game, they're like, I think we have to play Brees Hall more than we initially wanted to because he's probably their best pathway to winning games at this point. So, could they get blown out by 35 and then Brees Hall touches the ball zero times in the second half? Yes, but I think for as long as this game is competitive, I, I would suspect that we see more Brees Hall than we saw last week. Um, just because I think that they they need to win games, like they can't afford to not try to win games, and I think in order to do that, they have to feed Brees Hall. That was my takeaway as well. That they're that they basically were like, well, would have been nice to bring Brees along slowly, but we're gonna <laughs> lose every game by twenty seven while Dalvin Cook plods for three point six yards per carry. So like, I guess we better figure out if Brees' knee is all right because we're not gonna win by by handing the ball off to Dalvin Cook like Brees can score an 80 yard touchdown on any given play in a way that Dalvin cook cannot. I, I still think, and I literally, I mean, they should sign Carson Wentz. like, however bad you think Carson yes. Wentz is, he's better than Zach Wilson. He's- he is infinitely better than Zach Wilson. Yeah. I, I, I think that they ultimately will like, 
I think that Zach Wilson is going to play this game against Micah Parsons. And he is going to look like the worst quarterback on earth. And the Jets are just not going to have a choice. Yeah. I mean, I, the most likely scenario to me is actually that Bree stinks in this game and that he gets oh yeah thir- 13 carries, 47 yards. The Jets lose by 17. Like that, that's all very well in play. Um, but like, so right now I'm seeing, um, let's see here. What what is exactly Brees' projected ownership? I bet it is so low. Right now, I'm seeing five percent on him. That that even well, I got point five. Yeah, that five percent five percent feels rich. So you know, it's just a matter of your of your risk tolerance and everything. Like Brees is probably the lowest lowest floor play I I could ever imagine playing. Any lineup Certainly. with Brees is going to be like forty points off the optimal or whatever. Um, but I I do think it is worth considering. Final game actually has some plays I like despite a lower total. The Commanders against the Broncos. I don't think either of the quarterbacks are in play, but I think Javante, Brian Robinson, um, and Jahan Dotson are all pretty squarely in play here. Yeah, to- totally agree with that. Um, yeah, Howell was uh, was not was not encouraging, but I think that you have you have some level of hope in this game. It's just. I don't know. I, what's the over/under on this one? Like, pretty depressing, I imagine. Uh, let's see here. I got a team total of eighteen for the Commanders and twenty-one for the Broncos. So that is uh, yeah. it's a very low total. Yeah. Um. I think probably if I'm playing anyone in this game, maybe Javante and maybe maybe Dawson. Right. I mean, do we do the do we apply the aren't you worried about Patrick Sertain covering Terry McLaurin so Jahan Dawson gets the second corner and he's only 4,900? That's that's maybe the the angle that I would I would follow on here. Oh, I didn't even think I mean, I don't I barely know defensive players' names, you know, but I I was wa- obviously my Devontae bags are very heavy. So I was watching that game. Like yeah. I was like, why does Jacoby Myers keep getting open? And I realized after watching for about two series, I was like, Devontae literally can't do shit. Like Patrick Sertan is in his jersey. He can't, he just can't, he can't get open. And Jimmy, to his credit, I think old Jimmy probably would have just forced it in, you know, because he used yeah. to do that. He, Jimmy actually used to do that with um with Kittle, where Kittle, like he was the guy who would target Kittle a lot, even if it wasn't really so much a Kittle game. But yeah, I, I just think he was taking what the defense gave him, and and no one like Jacoby Myers was just open because the whole defensive attention was on Adam. So I do like that. Yeah, Sertan shuts down. Maybe Sertan shuts down Dotson though. I mean, maybe have, have we thought about it? Like that could happen. I I think that NFL defensive coordinators are not as quick to uh, go for the year two breakout versus the longtime star as best ball players. So I'm going to guess that they still view Terry McLaurin as the primary threat that needs to be uh, taken out of the game. But yeah, Jaws in a 40 to hundred, that feels pretty good to me just from like a talent at price perspective, even if the game environment stops. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So that is the look at the week two NFL DFS slate on DraftKings. I uh I am going to flag plant Traylon Burks against the Chargers and my I'm playing him but you shouldn't play of of, of the week is Sky Moore for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, I love that. Um my I'm playing him but you shouldn't play is uh the other side of that game, which is Tristan Kirk. <laughs> Even though I kind of think you should play him, but it's more just I'm playing him 
and I'm embracing that he's going that it's going to look like I'm a total idiot after the gameplay. And look, I think that this might become prohibitive if the ownership gets up, but I have to do it for the brand. I'm flight planning Nico Collins. He got the incredible usage week one. He goes into I think a really positive game environment. Uh, do not play if he gets up into the 20% ownership range, but if he's living in the 10 to 15 range, I think it is entirely acceptable, especially in stacks. Um, and the Nico breakout week is incoming. There we go. All right, everyone, uh, we're getting out of here. I'll be back tomorrow with Reeb's. See you then. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy.